Good afternoon or night or wherever you're listening to this from. We are College Football Unwrapped, bringing to you the recap of the college football season. My name is Christian McGowan, and I am joined to you by Mike Schneid. Do you want to say hello, Mr. Mike? What's up, Christian? What's up, everybody? How's it going? I'm doing a lot better than Nick Saban. That's for sure today. Doing a lot better than Nick Saban and Jim Harbaugh, so the two losers <laughs> of this season. The most memeable coaches in college football. But seriously, going forward, me and Mike are going to be running all of college football. We're going to get things popping for you in the offseason, do some mock drafts, some recruiting stuff, get you guys excited for next football season. Perry and Corbin are joining with me right now. They'll pop in every so often. You guys want to say hi? Yo, what's going on, guys? I'm glad to be here and joining you guys. College football finally to an end, but what a great ending. Yeah, I'm excited. I don't think anyone envisioned the college football championship game playing out the way it did, but we'll get into that. UCF definitely would have came in and won the whole thing. Listen to us on podcast.com. It's the new platform we've been pushing. Very good stuff on there. A lot of podcasts you can listen to. Also, give us a follow on the Apple Podcast app. Give us a review. Let us know what you think. Even if it's bad, just let us know we're trying to get better. Yeah, we could take honesty. Yeah, you could could tell us. Seriously, whoever rings me the best, I will cash up you $50. (laughs) If you make me cry in the bathroom at work, I will give you my paycheck. Honest yeah. to God. <laughs> we, we don't need to motivate them to... You don't, don't give us a bad review if you don't actually mean it, though. Five stars, <laughs> but come for my life. <laughs> make, sure, make sure to go check it us out on Twitter, College Football Unwrapped. It's going to be at CFB Unwrapped. Lots of content. We posted that really funny video, that woman rushing the field. Love it. off by police. That got a lot of love on yeah. there on Twitter. So even though our podcasts haven't been as current, the Twitter page always has stuff on there. Make sure you check that out. And right now with this... Going at a full head of steam, the Twitter page is going to be where it's at. That girl, she's actually in the concussion protocol now, I saw. <laughs> no. In all honesty, though, guys, we have some big other news. We have a website. Yeah, big website dropping for Unwrapped. Me, Corbin, Christian, I've been doing this for a long time and finally got a website together, unwrappedsportsnetwork.com. Uh, we're going to have full content from Mike, from these guys, from a lot of different people that have reached out to me, and we're going to be putting articles together. We're going to be doing a live feed of different scores. You're going to be able to go on there and check out all of our different podcasts, our most recent episodes, all on one hub where you can find everything for Unwrapped. You can honestly hit me up for any kind of banner trade. We're going to be doing all types of promo very excited for 2019 a lot of big plans a lot of big change so yeah check out the website most likely monday is when i can guarantee it being up they told me it was gonna be by the end of the week so we'll be having this episode on there and after this we're gonna be doing definitely an nfl maybe an nba also we're gonna have all them there on the website i hope to have you guys submitting articles and staying current with us yep i don't want to name drop but we have a ghostwriter that rhymes with drake oh i said his name damn it <laughs> ah, yeah we got drake on the squad <laughs> i got now. i got mike that's gonna be putting out articles you guys are going to hear them today which is better than drake so that definitely and with i know corbin and christian both have one already so yep. i'm excited to read them you we guys got, need to check it out we have content for you the very second it is up hit it get all of our articles send them to your friends let's let's get this rolling speaking of getting things rolling the national champion roll tide wow That's the one thing that didn't Wha- oh my god 44 to 16 now, I'm going to know me and Corbin probably lost money on this, but... I I didn't bet. I stayed away. Oh, I thought... I, I sure thought Clemson fired. could win. I didn't know, but I never, never would have expected Mike, did you put any bets down on this game? I didn't. So, I, I mean, for the longest time, I thought it would be Alabama. So, it just wasn't worth putting money. I actually tweeted 20 minutes before the game. 8.05, I changed my mind, and I said, Clemson's going to win. ETN is going to be the star of the show. 
He did have three touchdowns. They did win. But when I said that, I meant like 44-43, not 44-16. This is not what I meant. (laughs) <laughs> I haven't seen an Alabama offensive line struggle like that. Like, I understand that Clemson's D-line has two first-round defensive linemen in that, but they looked on all phases of the field like Clemson was a better team. Like, it wasn't just the fact that beautiful-haired Sunshine was dropping bombs on Alabama. Oh, you mean Celine Dion. Celine dropping, Dion. <laughs> dropping back there, dropping dives oh, and yeah. high notes. Super Saiyan 3 Goku. But seriously, they were outmatched going forward. Is Clemson now the top dog in college football? The odds for next year, the national championship odds already that are out, they're number one. I mean, how can you not after the performance that they had this season and in the end there? And we were just talking about this before the podcast, how even split it's been between Clemson and Alabama the last four years with the exact same records. Last four years splitting it between two for the titles each. It's definitely a carbon copy of each other. I think Clemson's been able to match what Alabama's been able to do, at least over the last four years. And it's something that's finally starting to settle in since we were so used to, oh, Alabama, 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 and just thinking that that Clemson win was a fluke. Or, you know, Deshaun Watson just having a Cinderella story. But I think it legitimizes Clemson as a top dog on top of Alabama or right there with them. And I think before this year, we kind of just looked at it more of a fluke against the dynasty that when the Patriots were making that run and someone upset them, you know, with the Giants, it wasn't that the Giants were just a good like as the they Patriots. had to lose it at was, some point. Yeah, we kind of tossed it off like that was just luck. You know, that was just a good run. And at this point, I think now we can look at Clemson as a serious top dog. I agree with that. I think in 2016, you kind of look at it, it's almost a black mark. It was almost a fluke right, for exactly. Alabama. I don't think anybody thought that Clemson had the staying power right, of yeah. being a powerhouse team moving forward. I couldn't agree more. My point exactly, and I think Dabo Sweeney has done an amazing job recruiting and definitely strengthening yeah. that programming, that defensive line, like we were just talking about, was insane. And to get Trevor Lawrence there, who took the job, yeah, early I, on in the year, I, I thought once Deshaun Watson left, that was it. They had a nice little run, but now with what's happened with both teams, Alabama and Clemson, their senior classes both having fifty-five wins, two losses, both two national championships. I think Clemson had one more conference championship than Alabama. The last five years, though, since the college football playoff has started, now the question really is: Is this the Clemson era now? Because we thought the college football playoff era was Alabama. Yeah, I think what I was saying, I think now they're both right there. Just a neck and neck, and I think now we've seen that year in and year out, it's going to be one of those two, and if not, it'll be a wild card like Georgia or Notre Dame or someone that slips, State. slips in there with a really good year, and then we talk about if it's their time to make a fluky run or a Cinderella run or however you want to brand it, but at this point, I think we can go into next season just assuming that it's going to be one of those two, when in previous years it would have been, oh, it's Alabama's year, we'll just see who plays them, and And now it's not like that. To quote Dabo Sweeney, he said, 2020 is going to be the decade of Clemson football going forward. And I don't see why he wouldn't think that. Definitely till 2021, he's going to have a star quarterback. I imagine that they're going to be a top recruiting class every single year until I die. And to go back on your point, Nick Saban always out recruits Dabo Sweeney in terms of the rankings. It just seems that he's produced better talent with what he's had over the past, what, four years now? Because there's no recruiting class where Alabama has lost to Clemson, to my knowledge. Alabama's beaten them every single year. Top one, top two. Yeah, they've beaten everyone. I mean, they lost Ole Miss one year, Georgia one year. Georgia last year had the one, but Bama was still And Justin Fields is gone now. So currently, Dabo Sweeney has been developing players a lot better than Nick Saban has. Yeah, I mean, that's up for debate. I just think you made a good point that... 
he's making more with less. Not that it's a lot less, because I think we're discrediting how good they've recruited. But I think no matter what, you would just assume that Alabama... People were talking about the idiotic debate that Alabama could beat an NFL team. I think this is a clear indication that no college team can fucking touch an NFL team, and that needs to stop because it's ridiculous. These are kids, and at any given day, college football, any Saturday, anything could happen. You've seen that. And you're going to go onto the next level, professional grown men, and you're going to think that you're going to match up with the professional coaching staff and everything that comes along with going to that next level and having a collective group of professionals. To think that a bunch of Southern kids from Alabama that have been recruited by Nick Saban, like he's some god, if they're going to be as good as a professional team, it's now a debate that just needs to stop being held. And I think it's always been ridiculous, but with how amazing they've been, how do you not have that conversation and say, damn, some of these NFL teams are really that bad? Maybe the top notch of the next division or the next level below would be able to match that. Just like when you look at Premier League soccer and the last team in the first division gets dropped to the next and the top of the second division gets brought up. And that's what I actually like about it. I'm not a huge soccer dude. My dad's from England or my family, a lot of them. So and I think that's a great system because if you're not good enough you get bounced if you're having a great year you get promoted and you get to gain more fans and i think it's just a way to keep progressing the league and bringing in more talent and yeah, i don't know i just obviously we're getting off topic but I the just cardinals wanna, will be playing in like a middle school league at this yeah point i just <laughs> i just want to say that that needs to well, stop being held because it's a dumb debate but to that point so the argument was Alabama, who we thought was the best college football no, team. No college team. Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying now Clemson has the best college football team. If they matched up with the worst NFL team, the Cardinals, I think the only position on the entire field where you could make a case they're better than the Cardinals is at quarterback. But I don't even Wider know. I, I, Do you I disagree. I you disagree. think Rosen I think, right now is a better quarterback than I think Josh Rosen with Lawrence? one year of NFL experience is in a better position than Trevor Lawrence, who's underdeveloped, like you were saying, I Mike, before. I disagree 100%. I know. I just think right now, if you put the two quarterbacks neck and neck, maybe in another couple years, it would definitely be a different story. But I think right now, with you were saying, Mike, I think he has some more room to grow. And I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be one of the best quarterbacks to do it because of what we've been able to see and how he amazing he's done so he's far. Special. He's extremely special. He's going to grow more into his body. And by the time he takes that next leap, he's going to be way far beyond where I think Rosen was going into the draft. But right now, you're talking about a guy that's had one year with a professional coaching staff against you would still consider a kid i would still take it right now rosen's skill over trevor lawrence's current skill but if you talk about the two players about their skill over back to back i'm going to obviously say trevor lawrence is more talented mike how do you feel about this because i i have a few opinions i want to see what you feel about this first i'll take rosen i agree you know a year in the nfl system i'd rather have him at this point than lawrence the thing with lawrence and with tua and these guys at the age they're at my concern is, are they ready, you know, mentally, physically? Right. If you put Alabama or Clemson, if you line them up against the Cardinals, that offensive line is going to get steamrolled. Chandler Jones is going to sack oh, you every yeah. single oh, yeah. time. Oh, 100%. It's, it's just a different I mean, level. If you're putting the two quarterbacks side by side in a room, sure, maybe Lawrence yeah, can make better throws that's than Josh thing. Rosen. But if you're looking at them in an NFL game, I don't think it's really a question. Right. I think that Trevor Lawrence would have gotten the Cardinals at least one more win this year than having Josh Rosen. If I could put Josh Rosen on a ship and just send it off and somehow <laughs> Trevor Lawrence came back to me, even if he was 17, I would take that over Josh Rosen. This kid is special. He started high school, freshman year, destroyed it, started all I mean, four years. He He's going to come he in the constant. most highly sought recruit of yes. He himself time. is ready. I think Trevor Lawrence, you say one year in a professional system, I hate to break it to you guys, 
Clemson is a professional football team that has coaches that can coach at a professional level. Okay, yeah, Josh Rosen's had three years in college. But don't count that one year at Clemson. Trevor Lawrence could play with Josh Rosen at this very second. He could put on a helmet, he could go out there, and he can play in the National Football League. I don't disagree with him being able to play in the NFL. Like you said right now. Yeah, no, he's, he's better enough. than Rosen right now. But you just said it three years at UCLA and one year with the Cardinals. That's four years that you would yep. consider he's, UCLA. He's better than Rosen with one year. I would disagree, but I can say that Trevor Lawrence is a better quarterback than Josh Rosen. It's just a different stage of their career right now. Mike, you had a point that you wanted to bring up? Yeah, Christian, let's talk about this. So you think Lawrence is better right now than Rosen. And there were a lot of takes on Monday night that Lawrence shouldn't be forced to play three years of college if he's ready to go. I agree. I do think that Lawrence would be a top five, top ten pick this year. He might be the exception to the rule, though. So I don't believe that you should be able to open up the floodgates and let these 18 and 19-year-old kids into the draft. You're opening yourself up to lawsuits and injuries and Possibly more, because these guys aren't physically, mentally ready for the NFL grind. The counter-argument here is going to be, oh, well, why would they play if they're not ready? Look at the NBA. You draft an 18-year-old kids who weigh 100 pounds. They're not ready. And in two years, goodbye. Where's Anthony Bennett? Nobody's seen him in years. It's going to happen that you're going to draft a 100-pound offensive lineman who injuries are going to force him into a game and is going to get run over and... Never play again. So I guess my question is, you know, do you like the fact that Trevor Lawrence has to play another two years? Christian, you played college football. Would you have been ready to play against a guy like, I keep saying Chandler Jones, but would you be ready to play against a guy like Chandler Jones, J.J. Watt when you were 18, 19 years old? 100%. No, I'm 100% joking. I think, to answer your question, that's position by position. Now, do you change the whole rule because quarterbacks can play at 19 and offensive linemen? No. Offensive linemen need a little bit more time. Their position is completely based on your body mass, you being developed versus another grown man. Yes, there's techniques that are involved in that, but you need to be a little bit older to play that position. However, wide receiver, quarterback, defensive back, I've seen guys at 18, 19 years old that can play in the NFL that have the athleticism to match up in the NFL. To limit those guys to save the non-skill positions seems a little bit weird to me. I think they need to find a way to allow whether it's 10 guys a year, 15 guys a year, certain guys need to be allowed to apply to draft, whether it be the teams choose the guys or the guys apply and there's a vetting system, but there are kids that come out of high school or their freshman year of college that can play in the NFL. For example, Trevor Lawrence, Adrian Peterson, Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley, all of them had enough talent, physical body development, all of it to play in the NFL right out of high school. To save them for offensive linemen who need three years is ridiculous. We have to find a way to change this. Trevor Lawrence, like I said, and I back up what I say 100%. I would rather have him than Josh Rosen this second. If Cliff Kingsbury, like I said, could ship off Josh Rosen and get back Trevor Lawrence right now, (laughs) I think he would. Christian, to be fair with Mike's question about offensive linemen playing in the NFL, no disrespect to you, but you are not as talented of an offensive lineman as Trevor Lawrence is as a quarterback. Okay. And we're not that, it's different for a quarterback versus an offensive lineman. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, yeah. But with that being said, I am the biggest proponent in the NBA of young players being able to go right out of high school and be able to get their money. The NFL is such a different sport than the NBA. There's such a bigger physical pounding, and the mental aspect is still there. You could argue it's even bigger than the NBA, even though you play a lot more games. I feel like with the NFL, there's so many fewer players that are actually ready to go play in the NFL after high school or after even a year of college versus the NBA, 
where I just don't think it's worth it. And Christian, you brought up a unique idea about just letting 10 to 15 players come in, but I think then it just gets so trivial and so controversial as to who those 10 to 15 players are and what happens in one year where maybe no one is ready, but if you have that rule allowing 10 to 15, you're screwing those 10 to 15 people who Mm -hmm. get in, even though at the time they're thinking, that's awesome, I get to go make some money earlier, but I just think there's more problems that come up with that than positives. I agree 100% with the NBA comparison. I mean, they should actually do away with that rule. You should be able to go straight from high school. It's so much different because of the physicality between the two weeks. I agree with that. Yeah, my take on it that I think it's cool when you see guys like Saquon, you see guys like Zeke that are able to come in their rookie year and make a difference. It's because they're grown men. Because they're now ready. I think I prefer that over seeing a guy like Giannis in the NBA who came in and was extremely underdeveloped and wasn't clearly there. And a lot of these guys who have shitty rookie years, it's because they aren't ready and they're kind of just battling. And then all of a sudden they break out in year two, year three. And then you're like, oh, there's the player that we drafted. There's the guy that we saw the potential in. So I, what if Giannis came in year three and he was the player that he was Last year, his rookie year, you'd be like, whoa, this is, there's no more Ben Simmons, Donovan Mitchell talk. You're having grown men coming at that point. Yeah, Donovan Mitchell, granted, was in college for a little bit more, yeah, but I think it's another level of, of player. I imagine a guy coming in at a little bit later, I imagine LeBron James entering year three. He would be coming in being the best rookie of all time. He already argued. Right, I, I agree, time. but I would say the immediate impact that the NFL has with these players because they come in mentally ready, because they come in physically ready, not all of them, of course, there's going to be exceptions. Yeah. I just think what you saw with Saquon this year, pretty much top Zeke's numbers. Yeah, obviously, Zeke had a little bit more touches, but I'm pretty sure Saquon had slightly more scrimmage yards and had more touchdowns too. So at that point, he's coming in. You're having a debate if Saquon is the best running back in the league. Obviously, I'm going to put Gurley and you know the rest of these guys in there, but yeah, you, you could put in there that he argument. is the best running back in the league, and I can listen to you give me a debate, and I can debate with you back Especially and not call you offense. crazy. But if you came in straight out of high school, you'd be like, oh, that guy's going to be great in a few years. And I stuff. disagree. And I just think rookie of the year at that point, it's just, I don't know. I'm not saying that it's, I agree with you guys. It could be cool to have 10, 15 guys go in, special talents. Like, I'm just saying, I think it's cool at there is guaranteed immediate impact when in the NBA, you get a guy from Germany who's 18 and weighs 60 pounds, and you're like, yeah, he's going to be good in three years when we're done storing him. I don't know. I think it's Luka's just... Luca's doing well. I, right no, I agree. There's exceptions well, to everything. He was the MVP of the Euro League. He played, with, he played with grown men, so he had that experience. Because he, he was allowed to. Right. I'm not saying... Well, there's exceptions. Saquon Barkley, the best, arguably the best running back as a rookie, right? Yes. How well do you think he would have fared in the NFL last year as a redshirt sophomore? He, I, I don't he, know. He, thousand he, yard season. Ex- I said there are so some exceptions to the rule, but in NFL, for football, it's not nearly as, as many exceptions as the NBA. And well, look to, at Lamar Jackson. The, just led exactly. the team to a playoffs, and he was the most winningest rookie at the end right there. And he. But to, most, fur, to further the... Argument, though, I'm talking about for the five that got drafted. He was the one that okay. had the most success is what I meant. To further the argument, though, so if in the NBA, take the Markel Fultz situation, for example. Markel Fultz, we all thought he was ready. I thought he was undeniably the best player in that draft class. Was I wrong? It looks like it right now. He's had one and a half, will be two very rough years. He's been injured for a lot of it. I have concerns about his mental status with approaching the NBA, but he still has time. And there's still, if the Sixers don't want to take a chance on him, there's other teams that are going to want to take a chance on him. Whereas in the NFL, if you draft someone who 
is not ready to compete in the NFL and it takes them two years, their career is over. No one's taking a chance on someone who for two years was as big of a disappointment as The NFL doesn't have a G League necessarily you know, so either. 25. So with the NBA, you have that right. option to you know put someone on a two-way contract, have them develop in the G League a little bit, and the NFL doesn't necessarily have a quote-unquote farm system like that. Yeah, of course, but I just think at that point you look at college baseball, but then baseball farm system, and then there's the professionals. So you have a place to draft a guy from Minnesota and then store him in single A and double A and triple A and let him progress, and then next thing you know, four years later, he's a rookie, but he's ready, you know, mentally, physically. So I just think at that point now you look at where the NFL doesn't have a place to store these guys, and if there is those cases, yes, Saquon Barkley might have been just as good two or three years ago, maybe at 18. Who knows? That could just be one of those God-gifted people that would succeed in the NFL by the time they were out of the womb. It's just, it's the rarity. Right. There's no farm system, and I just think at that point you're taking a big risk. But then go back to there's there's non-guaranteed contracts. What's the the farm system? College College football. It's an unpaid farm system for the NFL. So let me ask you this. If Saquon Barkley had come out after his freshman year, would he be better positioned now than he was playing against the likes of Ohio State and Michigan for a couple of years? Yeah, he would be playing against... Better competition. Yeah, that would be the Luka Doncic effect, where you go but and play was, against But if he was playing in a farm system of sorts, he'd be playing against other similar guys. Yeah, it's not a farm system, because there's college basketball, there's college baseball, and then you get to the MLB, you get to the NBA, and then there's minor, then there's minor leagues, yeah. and then a professional yeah. league. And with the NFL, there is not... Like, you can argue that there's small leagues, I mean, still professional, like Canadian Football League, and all these... Now there's the AFL. AFL. The AFL. Yeah. So now you could say that they might be coming up with one, I'm just saying currently there isn't the Chargers and then the Little Bolts from, yeah. you know, Humboldt. That it's, would be... Oh, my God. Oh, the Humboldt Lock Little Bolts. Lock it in. That, that is the greatest... Trademark. Oh, oh, my God. God. I'm on one. Let's do it. There we go. I, I don't think that a, a minor league of sorts would benefit these guys. I think Saquon Barkley is better off playing against Ohio State and Michigan than it would be playing the Humboldt. But then you talk about the practice squad, and that's where it gets a little interesting, too, because you can store someone on the practice squad for a long time and have them never seen an NFL game, and next thing you know, three years later, you make a roster. So I guess you could consider a practice, because there's no practice squad for the NBA. There's no practice squad for the MLB. It would be the farm system would be the only other place that you can go, unless you're on the DL. Unless you're injured, you're going to be yeah. on the roster, or you're going to be in the minor but Football's also the only sport where you need a massive supporting cast to at least simulate what the other side of the ball is doing. Right, so maybe consider that the first step, you get drafted as a you know, receiver that can only be on the practice squad for a year, and then you have the option on the second year to put this player into the NFL, or you have to wait the third year, which would be where we're at now, where they go three years in college. So maybe you have to go to the practice squad, and there's a certain time limit where you have to stay there, and then maybe you then get to go through a process where you get to go through a committee, and after the year on the practice squad, get to show if you're physically, mentally ready, whatever that may be. What's the difference of having a committee, and then just to allow that same committee to judge sophomore I mean, okay, well, at that point, that's the NFL team yeah, that if, has the rights is seeing if they're ready or not. I, I don't know, of if course, because they're going contracts. If there's a player that's coming into the NFL and trying to come early, if there was some rule that allowed them to go early, they're not going after their freshman year, after their sophomore year, to go be on the practice squad for two yeah. years. They're going because yeah. they want to play in the NFL right, right away. Maybe at a high school, you know, you get like a big baller situation. Where but, then, but then the argument is, let's say you're 18, you know you're athletically gifted, and someone offers you 30 k to go play on the 
the practice squad like they do in the G League, for example. You know, not a very big contract. That's how much you can make. And then you're a kid that's looking at it from the perspective as I can go to college and make no money. I can go play for the JBA, you know, like a LeVar Ball League or whatever, the AFL, whatever you want. But at this point, now you have the opportunity to go play for an NFL staff, the opportunity to play around NFL players, make those connections, and put yourself in the spotlight to at least take that next level. And you're making a little bit of cash. Maybe drop that to $10,000, and you're still making more than college players make, which is zero. Yes, you're taking away the college experience, taking away recruiting, you're taking away the traditional way of going about it. But then you talk about what if there is that exception? Saquon was like, I, I would rather make a couple, you know, just a couple hundred bucks a week, it feels like, and go play against NFL players on practice every day and then after one year of being on this quote-unquote practice squad contract they can review me and see if I'm ready for the NFL and if not I could do another year but they could just do that on college campuses already that you would but go to you're not around an NFL staff and you're not around right. other NFL so players I, simulating the game like you just I, said you I, need I, that you're college simulated. staffs have that I guess you can argue that, but then you're putting yourself with an actual professional staff instead of doing a hypothesis if some of these guys would be a good enough to coach in the NFL. Of course they would, but you're talking about guys that are in the NFL right now. And, but you're in the same room as, for example, Julian Edelman and all these other guys, and you're defending them in practice. I don't know, maybe that is a, the next step for you instead of going and playing for nothing and just going to be the big man on campus. Yeah, I don't that, know. that goes two ways. That either you're playing against harder competition, so it's definitely good for you, but right. you could also look at the other way. If you're a corner going up against Edelman or someone else, you're going to be getting shredded right out of high school. I agree. So does your confidence go down so much that you just never recover? This system I Who just knows? brought up is not perfect. I'm just, uh, yeah. this is my And then also, also listening to you talk about that, I think there's an argument to be made that, well, that could kind of force college football and college sports in general to pay their athletes because if they have that competition where they can go make some money, that could force them to do that. But on the other end, yes, maybe Saquon Barkley, let's take him for instance, He's goes to the NFL right out of high school and is on the practice squad for three years, makes whatever you had said, 10, 30,000 per year, right. 30,000 per year. So it makes 90,000 in three years. Right, makes nothing. Exactly. Right. After those three years are up, do you think that he gets drafted as high being on a practice squad or being at Penn State where... A lot more people know his name. And then immediately when he signs his first real contract, he made more by going to college first. If you're good enough and you see that this 18-year-old is going to be that good, I am the Panthers. I'm going to draft this guy and put him on my practice squad knowing that I'm going to be able to develop that particular person that in two years he's going to be exactly where I want him. You just drafted him already. Yep. You don't have to go through exactly. the practice squad and then go get drafted because you're not going to have any time to showcase your skills. You're not playing in games. That's where, yeah, your argument's valid. You'd rather be playing and breaking off 80 yard runs at Penn State on CBS than obviously being in you know a hoodie at practice guarding a guy like Juju and you're just hoping that one day you'll get there but that's where you've already made the Panthers but you're on a shit contract but you said it's good it's nothing college athletes make nothing the big zero I think you know that Christian you guys bring in a shit ton of money I saw this huge finance thing about Dabo Sweeney and how much he made when he was a graduate assistant at Alabama and then how much he made per second at Clemson I was like Jesus Christ and then someone <laughs> quoted it and was like and the athletes make zero I saw you like that too Christian yeah. it's true they make zero but then you're talking about $30,000 a year yeah we're all grown men I'm sure we all make a better salary than $30,000 right now but you're talking about professional athletes and putting yourself in a position to go make millions mm -hmm. you're to take three years of making zero and playing for what you say might arguably be an NFL type staff, but it's not. You're at a college with not the same facilities and not the same everything. Or you go spend that two years, make 60K, which isn't a lot, and you're 
in Carolina, getting to know Cam Newton and guarding these kind of guys, guarding DJ Moore. And yeah, maybe you get shredded at first, but maybe after half a year, you're not getting shredded anymore. And you're already on the Panthers. You already got drafted. But there's what it boils down to. If they're going to draft you at 18, they're going to think you're good enough or whatever to compete against guys at 18. And what the argument boils down to is if you're a 19 year old or 18 year old that we can all point a finger to and be like, he's good enough to play in the NFL. I think it is wrong to have to force that person to play two year free, have an organization make income tax free on that, and you have nothing to say about that. Now we can say, I'll make a system, make a system of that. If there's single people that we can point a finger to, we should be allowed to let those people do it. Now don't open the floodgates like Mike said. Trevor Lawrence, Saquon Bark, Ezekiel Elliott, Ohio State, Clemson, and I can't remember what other school, they got two free years of service from those guys who could have gotten paid. So however you feel about it, if you want to change it, change it. If you're happy seeing college football, then you're happy seeing college football. So we're going to move on to notable transfers and people who have declared for the draft. So we're going to start with transfers first. I think the biggest one is Justin Fields. So for people who don't know who Justin Fields is, he was the second quarterback behind Trevor Lawrence in the in the recruiting class. He might have been first, depending if you look at Under Armour or Nike. Right. He sat behind a guy who in his freshman year unseated the quarterback. So I don't know when Justin Fields went to Georgia, if he thought he was going to do the same and be the freshman who upsets the starter. But for whatever reason, he chose to go to a school with an established starter didn't start got destroyed on that fourth and 11 fake punt i don't know why georgia ran that and now he's at ohio state so how do you guys feel about his decision making going to georgia and then leaving after a year to me that seems strange i just want to see how you mike feel about it it never made sense and trying to argue a couple weeks ago that he shouldn't be granted immediate eligibility unless there's a reason I and I, I realize now that he does have a reason and i guess he's going to get the eligibility but he committed to georgia knowing that jake Fromm was in place and i'm pretty sure when he gave his verbal jacob easton was there also so he yes. knew what he was getting himself into at the time that he announced his transfer there were no coaching changes at georgia and all seemed well so i don't like the idea that he's running away from the competition i think fields could be better than from i agree he i, I mean from dipped you know, at the end of the year he did not play as well as he did at the end of his freshman year i always thought it was an odd decision i mean good for him he's gonna go to ohio state now he's gonna screw over tate martell Who's, who, who's waiting in the wings, who I think is awesome. It's a circle of life in college football. You're going to lose the competition, and then they're going to go steal someone else's spot that's worked hard for it. God, I feel bad for Tate Martell. That kid's had a college offer since he was 12 years old, and it's been like eight years, and he's still not playing in college football. To talk about Tate Martell, do you think he transfers? Now that Justin Fields can play right away, I don't want to give him the starting job, but... I think he's more talented or than does, Tate Marcel. Does Fields transfer again if he loses out on the starting is, job? Is he Jimmy Butler? Of... <laughs> but no, seriously. I mean, I mean Martel made a comment a couple weeks ago that, I mean, he basically said, implying about Fields, why would I leave? I've been here two years. I know the coaches. I know the system. The players love me. Why yep. would I concede my spot to someone who's not here? I don't think Martel's going to transfer yet. I think if Fields wins the job, which he ultimately will, then I think Martel will probably finish out his career somewhere else unfortunately and, for him and you got to kind of feel for tate martell too because to see urban meyer and Dwayne haskins recruiting this cat at ohio state basketball game i mean kind of has to hurt just a little bit i know life is cutthroat and there is no loyalty football is a what have you done for me lately type business <laughs> but to tate's defense it seems like he's gone the short end of the stick a little bit i wouldn't be surprised if he loses out in spring and he's instantly gone come the end of the semester if Ohio State names Justin Fields as the starter after spring practice, Fields was eligible to play at Ohio State right away, so you'd have to think 
there's a case being made that wherever Tate Martell would transfer, he'd be ready to play there in the fall. Agree. It's cool to see. I like it. I like the free agency of quarterbacks in college football. But to go along with that, we're going to move on to our next person, Jalen Hurts. He announced, was it today that he is going to transfer earlier today? Yeah, I think he's officially in like the transfer The transfer portal. It's called the portal, transfer yeah. portal. It sounds like World of Warcraft. I love it. <laughs> I want access to that. How can yes. Terry, do this whole unwrapped network. Can you give us some access to the transfer portal? I want my I notifications to bing every time a top <laughs> transfer leaves. I'll figure it out. Give me 2019. I got big plans. <laughs> Where do we see Jalen Hurts playing next year? I don't see SEC at all. I think that his relationship with Saban is so solid that it would be a slap in the face to him and he would never do it. I don't see Big 12 because I don't think he has the arm for it. I say Pac-12 and give me UCLA. I say Pac-12. I say somewhere he can run the read option. UCLA makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I'm going to say UCLA. That's just what... Well, there were odds that came out today and Houston are the odds-on favorites to land him. I don't understand why because... I mean, you're not even at a Power 5 conference then. They also have De'Ara King. I don't know how much you guys follow Group of 5 football, but De'Ara King is awesome. He's one of the better quarterbacks in the Group of 5. He'll be back in Houston. They have the best odds. Arizona had the... I'm looking at it now. Arizona has the second best odds. They have Khalil Tate. Yeah. I'd rather have Hurts, but at least but they have Tate. You can put um, Khalil Tate at running back. third because of Mike <laughs> Loxley, but I mean, Maryland is still Maryland. Does he really want to bend his final year in a... Think he Big Ten school losing no. to Michigan and Ohio State. I think we just said it best. Pac twelve. I think he goes from the South to the West Coast, and I think he rides off in UCLA, something like that, or another school like Washington, or another school like that. So here's my take. I think he's done playing for the fake national champions, and he wants to play for the real national champions <laughs> down at UCF. And I think he becomes a knight. And I think if he wow. doesn't become a knight, he joins Lane Kiffin and becomes a motherfucking owl. <laughs> Boom. It's gonna happen. Just, He's looking just, past Power Five, baby. It makes more sense than Maryland, but Thank you. Yeah. he's dropping four levels going from Alabama to FAU. I just, I don't see, because I don't see him getting drafted from Florida. I, mean, I don't know if he's going to be a good NFL quarterback, but that has to play some kind of role in his decision. It's the only way he throws for 4,000 yards next season. What he just went through and him taking that back seat, he has to look at his NFL draft stock, and you need to put yourself in a position where you're going to be contending for big-name bowls, and you're going to have a great year on TV, national TV. You need to put yourself in a good position to look for your NFL draft stock, considering you put your entire stock on hold this last year. I guess you can go make a ballsy decision and go to UCF like you just said, but I see him going with a more established place and getting a guaranteed start. The team that actually really makes sense, but they don't make sense. Florida State would be a really good team. Uh, if they weren't such a mess right now and if people didn't hate Willie Taggart, if there was more positivity and optimism around the program, I could see him going to a school like Florida State. No, I agree. DeAndre Francois, I don't like him at all. I don't like Florida State in any facet of college football, but that would be really nice. They're always going to have talent. I mean, Florida is the speed state, and they definitely recruit well in Florida, so that'd be really exciting. I know ACC still stay in the Power Five. Maybe he throws for 2,500 yards with Florida State, rushes for another 800, but... You think he'd beat out Francois? Yeah. 100%, 100%. Yeah, I don't like Francois at all. I don't I'm not a big fan of his either, but and, I'm not a big fan of Hurts either. Ever since I... I can't remember what game it was. I know his offensive line isn't the best, but he got up and he threw the ball like right at the feet of his offensive line. Ever since he did that, I turned the game off. I was like, I'll never watch DeAndre Francois play on, play on TV ever again. <laughs> Even if you have a bad offensive line. I mean, he's played bad in a lot of games 
team didn't run up to him and yell at him, throw a football at him. So well, the coaching staff was god awful, and everything yeah. there, like you said, Mike, it was a mess at Florida State. So Francois, no matter how he played, the entire team and the organization you saw last year under Taggart was a mess. But Jalen Hurts honestly can come in from one of those blue blood programs and actually change the culture, being a college player going to Florida State. Yeah, no, I can see what you guys mean, but I ultimately think he ends up at a place like UCLA. So our last on the transfer highlights is Kelly Bryant. I don't know if he signed his letter yet, but he committed to play at Mizzou. I really like that coming from Drew Locke, and Mizzou's one of those places where they can be kind of like the spark plug in the in the SEC. They can be like Vanderbilt. They can be like more towards Alabama. You never really know what kind of the spectrum they're going to end on, but right. it's exciting. I think if it's not going to be one of those like UCF where it's just going to blow the world up, like, Mizzou's a good spot for him to land. No, I agree. I think people kind of underrate Kelly Bryant. I think people kind of forget him. He's really good. It's just Trevor Lawrence is on another level, and he was able to elevate Clemson, but Kelly Bryant is still going to be among the 10 best starting quarterbacks right. this year. Just because he's not the best. You know, I think he could get Missouri to 8-9 wins and surprise some people in the SEC. I completely agree. I love this signing. I, I know it's not anything flashy, but you said it best, Mike. 8-9 wins, go for a competitive bowl, and do your best to solidify your NFL draft stock. How about you, Corbin? Kelly Bryant just had a raw deal at Clemson because he was a good quarterback, and he's yeah, going he to be screwed. a good Quarterback. Trevor Lawrence is on yes. another level. We just, just all talked about it. He's happen, happened to be going up against the best quarterback. Look at that hair. I just want to know. I just want to know what conditioner he uses. Not maybe it's Maybelline. Like I just need to know. It, it better not be Head and Soldiers. That's bullshit. I, I need to know but, what it is. Those but, are locks. But Kelly Bryant, though, one other team that I thought would be interesting would have been Wisconsin in the Big Ten I agree. because right. that's a team that, for whatever reason, except for the one year they had Russell Wilson. They're such a good team everywhere else except quarterback. And that's their biggest flaw year after year. It's a shame. And they always have a top five running back. So it's, just, yeah. it's crazy. And I was doing a top 25 the other day for next year. Jonathan Taylor is amazing, but Jack Cohen and Alex Forneybrook, the most underwhelming, horrible quarterback in football. And with that offensive line, Corbin could average 4.4 yards <laughs> a carry behind that. Those dudes, I know they come out with a list every year. It's like Oklahoma, Georgia, and Wisconsin. Those dudes are like 6'7", 350 pounds. Yeah, and they're all, they're, Jesus! They're all like clones of each other, too. And it's insane. They're just bulky every year. And they're all cousins because they grew up on the same farm. <laughs> no, but I, and, Just to confirm for the fans, you chose not to play the Wisconsin, right? It's not that they didn't recruit you. You chose not to go there. Play offensive line. I mean, to be honest, all the top recruits probably got an offer from Wisconsin at one point or another. They just chose not to go there. But to end the note on the transfers, I just... Bottom of my heart, Jalen Hurts, Kelly Bryant, if you're listening to this, you have one year left. Just throw the fucking ball as hard as you can. You have nothing to lose. The only critique I'd have on them is they played the game a little bit too safe. I think that's what kind of did them over at their schools. So my only hope for those two guys is don't be afraid. You have nothing to lose. You're on your last shot. Just throw the ball downfield. That's what NFL coaches want to see. And I both think that you have the potential to get to an NFL level. I think for their NFL futures, Kelly Bryant has a better NFL future than Jalen Hurts. Would you agree? I agree. I think it's a toss-up. I think we'll have to just see how they gel with the teams this next year, and we'll truly be able to see how they progress. We didn't get to see a lot this last year, so if they were the starting quarterbacks, I think we'd be able to have a clearer picture, but right now, I think they're both about a year removed out of seeing them be the full-time starter, and now at this point, yeah, you could say there's more argument for Bryant because he had it in the beginning of the year. 
when Hurts really didn't. I think right now it's still a toss-up. No matter what, I just want to speak on Jalen Hurts. I think he'll be successful no matter what he does in life. Him going through this on the national stage, that kid's going to be a CEO of a company. I really think that... Hmm. Sky's the limit for that kid. Finish college in two and a half, three years. Like that kid, I have a crush on him. I'm just going to say it. Going forward, we're just going to go over some of the notable people who declared for the draft. Obviously, seniors had no choice. I learned that earlier in this conversation. I was going to put a guy <laughs> on there who was a senior and I didn't even think. But we have Daniel Jones out of Duke. Now, a lot of you don't know his name. Neither did I until I watched the bowl game. And the reason is everyone kind of thought he was going to come back for his fifth year, senior year of college, his grad year. But with this quarterback class, honest to God, if you think you can throw the football, just warm up your arm and come yeah. to the combine because it is so weak that you might as well declare. Like if you're at a D3 school and you can throw, declare, do it. Like, and it's crazy looking after last year's class when we just talked about it, the five quarterbacks that were taken in the first round. And I wanted to bring up a question for you guys. A guy like Dwayne Haskins right now, who is projected to be the number one pick or a guy like Kyler Murray, even who we were going to talk about in a second, but let's just use Dwayne Haskins for a second. Who's already declared. Would he be drafted in the first round last year? Like, do you take him over? Over Darnold, Rosen, Lamar Jackson. Where is he within those five last year? Would he be sandwiched in between there somewhere? Or would he be more in the talks of the Mason Rudolph-esque kind of players that were looked at right on the outskirts? But that goes to where would you take him over Lamar Jackson, who would have been the last quarterback taken? Okay, and then what about Rosen? I, I would still take Baker Mayfield. I might have considered Haskins over Darnold. No! Shove it. 100% Haskins over Josh Allen. And Josh Rosen. I love Haskins. I actually just watched him play live at the Rose Bowl. He's a big guy. He's got the body that you want. He's got the athleticism. I think he's going to be an absolute star. I hope the New York Giants don't draft him. Whoever gets it this year is going to get, with all due respect to Kyler Murray, is going to get the best quarterback in the draft if you get Haskins. I think whoever gets drafted as the number one quarterback, good chance it ends up being Haskins. It's going to be the number one pick, even though I think Dwayne Haskins, if he was in last year's draft, you could convince me, you could argue with me enough to where I'd take him over Lamar Jackson, but that's it. I think with Sam Darnold, hindsight's twenty twenty. I think we're thinking about how Sam Darnold looked his rookie year, which he had his ups and downs, but... That just team is awful. There's yeah. a lot of bad coaching staffs, and we're going to talk about that in our NFL episode after this, about all the coaching changes that have happened. But you're going to see, I think they were just drowning a bit. And some of these guys coming in now, it's a different story. And it's just not even close because I would take him, like you said, Corbin, maybe convince me to take him over Lamar Jackson. Exactly. Probably because I'd like his game more than Lamar Jackson's. Because now we're talking about Lamar Jackson and how that run that he had at the end of the year. But when I was looking at it from last year, when I was looking at the five guys coming in, where I would pick them. And then the same kind of thought process right now with Haskins. I think he would have been my fifth quarterback taken off. I wouldn't have taken him over Josh Allen or, or Rosen. I think now with new coaching staff in Arizona, with Cliff Berry there too, and how he was able to air raid that at Texas Tech, no matter how successful a program they were, their offense was, I think, second in all of college football throughout the entire time that he was head coach there in most offensive statistics, especially passing. So I think now Josh Rosen is due for a massive bounce back year next year. And I think that at that point, we're going to be looking at who is looked at in a higher regard between him, Darnold, and Josh Allen, who did come on at the end of the year because the Bills had nothing to lose. They said, yeah. run the ball 15 times, pass run the ball as many line. times as you want, Josh just Allen do it. He put a lot. five touchdowns. He played a lot better this year. He put a five touchdowns at the end. He looked like debatably the most impressive quarterback out of those five with the numbers that he put up, especially when he was healthy. So Outside I, of Baker. I think we, I think Baker, of course, who's, I respect to him, who's having a debatably rookie of the year season, but it's nowhere close over Saquon, if you ask me. Saquon. Now this was my point 
to where this quarterback class is so weak. Dwayne Haskins, we're looking at it, might even be the shoe-in number one guy. I wouldn't even have taken him. I would have taken him over Lamar Jackson. That's it. To that point, though, about him being a shoe-in number one, let's talk about Kyler Murray. So he was drafted, I believe, ninth overall by the Oakland Athletics last year to play baseball. Signed a contract with them for over a million dollars. They allowed him to go play one more year of college football at Oklahoma. Wins the Heisman. And he had kind of hinted earlier that, you know what, maybe I'd consider playing both. I might lean towards the NFL. He's entering the NFL draft now. And I think that because I'm not too high on Dwayne Haskins and not nearly as high as Mike is on him, I think that as the draft process unfolds and they go through the combine and everything and watch the tape, I think when it's all said and done, first quarterback that's going to be drafted is going to be Kyler Murray really? as long as he commits to only football. If he tries to play baseball and football, then no, I don't think that happens because I think as talented as Kyler Murray is, as talented as anyone is, you want someone that's, that's yeah, that's just focused. so risky having them right. play two different sports. I totally agree. And, and that right there, it's a hot take, but I don't think it's that hot because you said it, Haskins will probably be the number one pick. But I can see where Kyler Murray might have a Baker Mayfield kind of stock rise, how he had in the draft. No one thought Baker was going number one. We were debating if it was going to be another position or if it was going to be Darnold, this kind of thing where it wasn't Baker Mayfield. We were looking at Baker Mayfield sometimes even sliding to the, the Dolphins yeah. and yeah. you know going towards the mid-lottery where Rosen was taken. And then all of a sudden it was Baker, 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 and everyone was so high on him. And the next thing you knew, he was the number one pick and it wasn't even a question. They already had that locked in. Was, and this was, John this was Dorsey just, was high on him. This was, no, but I'm saying this was just their guy <laughs> and they were so, so. so sold. For, for us, all analysts, anybody like that, it wasn't the Baker show right away. We were debating other guys for different positions to be that number one pick. And then Baker made that run. Yeah. Could be something similar to Kyler Murray. Baker, I, I don't know. Baker's a good comparison. Obviously, also him being right out of Oklahoma and winning the Heisman. Another one I think, and who I thought of before Baker Mayfield, was Cam Newton. After Auburn won the championship, and I know Oklahoma didn't win it this year, but Auburn won the championship with Cam Newton. He won the Heisman. And still, Cam Newton, I remember in the mock drafts, he was supposed to go like 11th or 12th, second quarterback behind who? Blaine Gabbard out of Missouri. Nice. But as the draft process unfolded, people started looking at the tape some more, looking at... Obviously, Cam Newton's measurables are much more impressive than Kyler He's Murray's. I mean, athletically, one of the, if not the most impressive quarterback ever, when you take into account his size and speed. Cor- Corbin spent the night thinking about Cam Newton. <laughs> Corbin's Newton's cheeks are blushing right now. <laughs> He's, uh, He's got a bottle of lotion. Very stoic. About Cam. Oh, but no, I can see what you guys yeah. mean. There's going to be a big change within this whole draft process but I think right now we can all agree that Haskins looks like he's got a good chance to be the number one guy going in. Yeah, and real quick on Murray and Corbin, you mentioned Baker Mayfield before. Does Baker's performance last year influence you at all if you're a GM or an exec? The fact that he no. played so well and he came from the same system? Or do you look at Murray as an isolated guy, he's his own guy. The way that Murray played in college in the NFL has nothing to do with it. Yeah, I don't really think it has much to do with it. When I think of Kyler Murray, I actually think more of Russell Wilson than Baker Mayfield. That's Just, a good comparison. Yeah, both a little bit undersized. Kyler Murray, as athletic as Russell Wilson is, Kyler Murray much more even faster. Much yeah, more I mean, athletic. one thing that people I don't think realize about him is he is a good passer he can throw the football oh, his and athleticism look, can yeah. only be compared to Lamar Jackson right now in the oh, he, can throw. he made an unbelievable throw yeah. late in the orange ball he was just flat-footed his mechanics were all wonky he just launched the ball 50 yards in the air yeah I, I remember that straight in the end zone I mean, on the run the guy has an arm 
Yeah, and that was the same thing with Russell Wilson. That was the knock on him coming well, out of hence, Wisconsin. Hence the baseball contract for both of them. Yep, exactly. Kyler Murray, a much more talented baseball right. player. Uh, Russell Wilson was a second baseman. Kyler Murray, a shortstop. They both have incredible arms, but because they're so small relative to other professional quarterbacks, you just don't think that way. And I think once people actually go back and have time to look at the tape that Kyler Murray's had, again, a lot of it depends on if he's trying to do football and baseball or just football, but he's going to have a very big rise in the draft from where we project him now to where he ultimately will be drafted. I agree, especially when you put him on the timer and watch him run that 40. The internet's going to blow up. So that's all we have for you guys today. This is episode three. I kind of think of it like episode one of our resurgence. It's our our grand reopening. And with Christian and Mike heading this up for Unwrapped, I'm so excited personally. I know Corbin is. I know we all right now. With college football coming to an end, you're not supposed to be getting excited for college football. We are, and we're getting prepped for next season, and there's going to be recruiting stuff. We just have, obviously, our bowl coverage and our initial NFL draft. But we're going to have so much NFL draft coverage, and Mike and them are going to be all over it, like we said with that website. We're going to be all over it with articles for you guys, in-depth coverage for all the draft stuff. For college especially right now with this offseason, expect so much coming from us, and I expect yeah. so much from Mike and Christian. And I know with the early signing date, people kind of think that signing's over. National signing date for college players is still coming up. We have a lot of commitments that are going to flip. The landscape of college football is going to change now. It is going to change after spring ball. It's professional sports. The offseason isn't the offseason. There's things that are going to happen and we're going to talk about it and it's going to be on our mind until August of next year and the next professional season starts because I consider... Even though it's collegiate sports. It's it's unpaid professional sports. (laughs) I know. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Mr. Mike, again, for joining us. Remember to give us a listen at podcast.com as well as the Apple Podcast app. Please don't negatively rate us, but please do make fun of me and my very high-pitched voice. Please give us all a follow on Twitter. Give our account at CFB Unwrapped a follow. And I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.